If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible in the Old Testament. It comes right after the Pentateuch. We will be looking this evening at the entirety of chapter 1, 18 verses. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is completely inerrant. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over arm before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers... As he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession. And shall possess it. The land that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. 
And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and whatever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask this evening that you would reach us with your word. That even as you have told Joshua to be strong and courageous, we would be strong and courageous in the Lord. That we would follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would seek in all that we do to glorify him. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, we are about to start on a new journey in the evenings together, a new book, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is the story of the Israelites coming into the promised land and receiving the promise of God. And it is named after the leader of the Israelites, Joshua, Moses' former servant or assistant. And as we begin this book, the first chapter sets the stage for us. It gives us the context through which we will understand the entirety of the book. This evening I would like us to see three things about this chapter. First, we will see that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Second, we will see that the Lord speaks to you. And then third we will see that you respond to the Lord and to His Word. That Joshua is with the Lord, he hears from the Lord, and he and the Israelites respond to the Lord and to His Word. And this is the calling that we are called to as well. Well, let's begin then by looking at the Lord being with Joshua and the Israelites. And the first way that we see that the Lord is with you is by the promise of God. Now there is a context for this entire book. There is a context especially for this chapter, and it comes in the very first words of the first verse. After the death of Moses. That is the context for the entirety of this book. You cannot understand Joshua and the Israelites in this book unless you realize that this comes in the context of the recent death of Moses. Now let's think about that for just a moment. How important was Moses? Well, there's the obvious thing, that he was the leader of the Israelites, that he brought them up out of Egypt. There's also the fact that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. But Moses was crucially important to the Israelites as a people. You may recall that when the Israelites fell into sin and when they began to worship the golden calf, it was Moses who was a mediator for the Israelites. It was Moses who prayed to the Lord and asked Him to put aside His wrath, to spare His people. Moses 
was the prophet to whom the Lord spoke face to face. To understand the importance of Moses, we just need to turn in our Bibles back one page to Deuteronomy chapter 34, the last few verses. In verse 10 we read, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. For all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Moses was crucially important to God's people and to their life. And so this book then begins on a very hard note. Moses, my servant, is dead. After the death of Moses. And so imagine yourself being an Israelite at this time. You haven't settled into your home. You haven't received the promise of God. You have left Egypt and you can't go back. You're not really sure what the way ahead means. And the one that you have trusted, the one that you have followed, the one that you know the Lord spoke to, is gone. What do we do now? Has God's plan changed? Why didn't Moses stay around long enough to see us settled into the promised land? What should the Israelites do? Should they sit down and weep? Should they give up hope? No. It's very interesting what happens at this beginning of this book. Moses is dead. And what Israel is called to do in verse 2 is to arise. To get up. To go on with the mission. To follow the Lord. God tells them to act in accordance with what He has promised them. He says, get up and go into the land, the land that I have promised to you and to your fathers. Now, remember that this promise is an incredible promise. Think in your mind's eye of the land that God is describing here. From Lebanon or from the the Mediterranean Sea all the way over to the Euphrates, all the way over into what is now modern-day Iraq and Iran. A huge swath of land. So large that Israel never came to the point to occupying all of it as they, at times, were faithless to the Lord and they wandered from God. But this great promise, God reminds them, is still theirs. Now, it may seem simple... But we need to be reminded at difficult times that the promise of God is rooted in God Himself. Not in leaders, not in those whom God is using, not in circumstances. This promise did not depend on Moses at all. As a matter of fact, it was a promise that came first to Abraham and was reiterated to Moses And now reiterated again to Joshua. The promise that comes from God is in His hands. Now this is a good reminder to us because God brings promises to us in His Word. And God's promises do not depend on us or our wisdom or our leadership. 
God's promises depend on Jesus. We can rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom all the promises of God are yes and amen. But there is another way that the people of Israel know that the Lord is with them, not just because they have His promise, but they also have His presence. Because sometimes the promise seems awfully far away, doesn't it? We read of the promises of God of the celestial city, of mansions in glory reserved for us, of life everlasting, and sometimes in the everyday circumstances, in the struggles of life, that seems so far off. We don't possess the promise just yet, and we wonder at times whether the promise will pass us by and light on someone else. And so Joshua is in this same position, and God gives to Joshua yet another encouragement beyond his promise. That is, his presence. He says to Joshua, I will be with you, in verse 5. He says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now, if this sounds familiar, it should. It's the same promise of his presence that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. God told Moses to go into Egypt and to speak to Pharaoh because he would be with him and he would not leave him or forsake him. And the Lord makes it very personal for Joshua. He says, just like I was with Moses. Now that would conjure up all sorts of images in Joshua's mind. Joshua would have known that Moses spoke face to face with the Lord. He would have heard the story of the burning bush. He would have heard of Moses' doubt and the Lord's reassurance. And the Lord is now saying to Joshua, I will be there for you in your doubt. I will stand by you. I will encourage you. You need not worry. I will be with you. You see, God can say this because God doesn't change. Moses has died, but God remains the same. This is who God is. God is a God who is present with His people. It is a part of who God is in His nature. And so now Joshua can face the task that is before him. Now he knows it is a daunting task, just like a daunting task that Moses faced with Pharaoh. Joshua is going to be going into a land, into a land Filled with giants, it has been said. Into a land of people that need to be defeated and conquered so that Israel can obtain its inheritance. But the thing is that Joshua knows he will succeed because he has heard from God. Do you see that in verse 5? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What a blessing. Now oftentimes we can hear these sorts of promises, and we look at them and we say, well, that's fine for Bible hero people. Joshua has a book in the Bible named after him. Of course, he won't be defeated. Of course, God will be with him. But what about me? But you see, we have the same types of promises in God's Word. 
You see, we need not fret about our society or the news media or politicians or nations because the Lord has promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He has promised us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised us that He will never give us anything beyond what He has equipped us to handle. You see, we can obtain and hold on to those promises. The promises of a God who is with us. A God who will not give up on us. Do you see this here in verse 6? Be strong and courageous, the Lord says. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, one of the wonderful things about this chapter is the reminder of how much we need God. I don't know if your acquaintance with Joshua is from Sunday school days and you imagine a a tall, strapping soldier with armor and sword who would go in and conquer and defeat the enemies, who was brave beyond anything, and you think he's so different than you are. But look, over and over and over again, what God says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. We have 18 verses, and five times Joshua is told, To be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know about you, but I gained from that that Joshua was having some trouble being strong and courageous. That he needed that encouragement from the Lord. You see, this is what we all face. The Lord knows that we are sometimes weak, fearful in the face of challenges and difficulties. But he reminds us that he is our God. And that because of that, we should be strong and courageous because He is with us. You see, this is a special promise that comes not just to Joshua, but to each and every one of us. Hebrews chapter 13 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That is a promise of the presence of God that you can claim right now, today, in Katy, Texas. This is the stabilizing fact of our life. The Lord is with us. The second thing we see from this passage is that the Lord speaks to us and He speaks to Joshua. We see this here in verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You see, the very first thing that God is telling Joshua here and us about His Word is that we are to immerse ourselves in God's Word. God has given Joshua His Word, and He expects him to use it. He is to give attention to it each and every day. He is to meditate upon it day and night. He's not just simply to turn to God's Word in times of great crisis or struggle. Each and every day he is to be found in God's Word to be preparing himself for times that are difficult. 
Now, this again is also a command that doesn't just come to leaders like Joshua. Because meditating on God's word day and night is exactly what the psalmist tells us to do in Psalm 1. He says, Blessed is the man whom his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You see, we are to be absorbed with God's word. We are not just to be casual about it. We are to be in God's word each and every day, and we are to meditate upon it. The Hebrew word here for meditate has the connotation of going over something over and over again, pondering it, thinking about it, even muttering it under our breaths to try and remind ourselves of the great truths of God's word. And this is hard work. You see, God tells Moses to be careful to do all according to the law. That is, to keep the law, to watch himself, to guard his own heart. This is hard work to be in God's word. It's not something that we casually do for two or three minutes, a couple of times a week. There's also a reminder here that we are to be in all of God's word, not just the parts that we like. Do you see this here? Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Not just some parts, but all of it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You are to be involved with God's word, meditating upon it, running it over in your mind in its entirety. And it is this understanding of God's word, it is this study of God's word, that leads to obedience. You see, you meditate on it day and night, the Lord says, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now we have to understand this, that the study of God's Word is not an end in itself. We don't study God's Word merely to be able to impress others with our knowledge of it. It is necessary that we are able to do what is in God's law. And a careful absorbing of God's Word leads to obedience. Because the more we study God's Word, the more we understand what God desires the more we understand what is best for us. And the more we understand who God is. And so we are able to be obedient to God's word. The more that we know it, the more that we seek to make it a part of our life. It is a lack of God's word that leads to disobedience. Isn't it? After all, this is the story of our nation, isn't it? Our nation has turned away from God's Word. They don't want anything to do with God's Word. And we see the disobedience of our society and our culture. Sadly, it's the story in many parts of the church. The visible church of Jesus Christ has decided that they've moved past God's Word and they don't need to meditate upon it. They don't need to make it the central focus of their life and worship. And what happens? Disobedience comes from it. You see, when the Lord speaks to Joshua here about prospering and success, 
He's not speaking about money. He's speaking about life. If you wish your life to go well, you will be in God's Word. This is the call for us to hear the Lord and His Word. The third and final thing that we see this evening is that we are to respond to the Lord and to His Word. We see this first in the action of God's people in verses 10 and 11. Joshua commands the officers of the people and he tells them to be ready to go. In three days they will enter into the promised land. They will cross Jordan. Now we come back to the people of Israel. Our focus comes off Joshua particularly to the people of Israel. Now remember, they too were feeling the effects of the death of Moses. They might have been wondering themselves about about Joshua. Does he have it? Can he manage the leadership role? They might have been wondering what God would do for them. And so Joshua comes to them in the strength of God's presence and with God's proclamation, he explains to them that they are now to be ready to obey God. And they see that he is a leader because God has made him a leader. Joshua gives a command and his commands are clear and precise in verse 11. And the response of the people of God is that they will be with Joshua and that they will obey him because God is with him. They understand that the commands of Joshua are consistent with God's commands. Now this is an important lesson for you and for me. As we seek to lead others, whether in our home or in a Bible study or in the church, we can only do so as we lead consistently with God's leading. We must be in God's Word and we must lead others with the truth of God's Word. We have no right to lead others apart from the commands of God. You see, this is the story of Joshua's leadership. It is consistent with God's word. It is consistent with God's presence. And what happens? God's people rally to the cause. We see this in verse 17. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you, they say. Now the truth of it is, they're not really rallying to Joshua. They're rallying to God as Joshua leads them according to God's word and command. This is how God's people act. They rally around the truth of God's word and the leadership that God has provided and they follow the Lord. The second response that we see is we see the unity of God's people. We see that what bound the people of God together was God Himself and His Word. Now, this would have been the perfect time for factions to come up. Whenever there is a transition from one leader to another, that is the time in which party spirits come up and people fight amongst each other. This is the story of history, isn't it? Perhaps the most famous example of this was after the death of Alexander the Great. There was no follower to Alexander, and instead his empire was divided amongst three generals. 
And it almost immediately began to wither and fade. Because there was no succession. But here the people will obey Joshua just as we obeyed Moses because they understand that God is leading. They are united with each other. And that's the reason why we see this long passage here about the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh that begins at verse 12. This is the kind of passage that as you read it in your daily reading, your eyes begin to glaze over. It's a reiteration of some tribes of Israel and some places they're going to go and and cities they're going to build and yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. That's what we think as we go through it. But there's actually something very important at work here because we have to understand what is happening here in Joshua 1 in light of what happened in Numbers 32. In Numbers 32, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad came to Moses and said, We really like the land on this side of the Jordan. Can we have this land? And of course, Moses became instantly furious with them. He sensed cowardice on their part, that they were only saying this because they didn't want to go across Jordan, because they didn't want to seize the promised land, because they didn't want to fight. And he calls them out on it. And the Gadites and the Reubenites respond and say, no, 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 we just really like this land. If you'll let us have this land, we'll build cities for our children, and all of our fighting men will go across, and we will fight with the people of Israel until all of Israel has its inheritance. And you see, what's happening here is the fulfillment of that vow. It's God's people sticking together. It's the unity of God's people working for all of the benefit of all of the people. These tribes could have hung back and kept their land and said to the other tribes, well, you go worry about your own land. But no, they were united as a people of God because they had all received the promise of God. What an encouragement at the outset of this campaign. There will be no divisions. There will be no self-centeredness. Now understand, there is no group hug here. There is no singing of Kumbaya. But what we see is the central importance of God's people being united to encourage one another. So as we look at this passage in Joshua 1, We ask ourselves the question, how can we be strong? And the answer comes to us from God's word, that we are to remember God's promise. We are to trust in his presence. We are to study and obey his word. And we are to respond to God and to his word. That is how we will be strong in the Lord. That is how we will be courageous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Joshua and for the way that you have spoken to him. We thank you for the promise that you have given to Israel that reminds us that we have also a promise from you and that we can trust in you all of our days. (coughs) Lord, keep our eyes upon the promise. Keep us focused upon your presence. 
Lord, we ask that we would serve you all our days. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.